Hello and welcome to the Climate Chats podcast. My name is Christian Friedrich. Today, I am glad to welcome two guests on our podcast. I am joined by Melanie Pill from the, from the Australian National University and by Franziska Wolf from the Hamburg University of Applied Sciences. Both have been involved in Climate 2020, the Worldwide Online Climate Change Conference, but in somewhat different roles. And um, Franziska, I was wondering whether you'd like to tell us a bit about yourself, um, about, but also about Climate 2020, the online conference, and um, kick things off for us. Hi. Sure, Kristen. My, my pleasure. Yes, um, um, my name is uh, Francisco Wolf. Um, I work at um, the university um, in Hamburg, in Germany, at the Research and Transfer Center Sustainability and Climate Change Management. At the center, my day-to-day -day job basically consists of uh, running international projects. I'm a project manager, a senior project manager, actually, already, because I've been there for uh, a number of years now. And um, I'm also overseeing and coordinating our um, new um, area at the center that deals with digital learning and um, digital online education. Um, what we do there is basically we design online courses on all different, uh, all sorts of topics related to sustainability and climate change. Mm -hmm. And um, we do this in form of online courses, so the traditional way of online learning, basically. But we also um, thought of new ways of uh, kind of getting people together, um, getting climate change information um, disseminated and spread out um, around the globe, basically because this technology just is perfect um, for that um, for that cause and um, that's what we actually did with our uh, worldwide online climate conference climate 2020 so um, basically this has been thought of uh, a long time ago we started in 2008 already with our first online climate conferences um, back then it was nothing more than a plain website with uh, a lot of uh, written text um, presented and a few discussion for it, basically. And um, since since then, it has basically um, transformed and evolved. And um, now, in 2020, uh, this year, we uh, started with a new look and feel, with a totally new um, technical um, infrastructure, and also with a larger team um, that uh, supported in the back end and uh, run and co-organize co the, the overall conference. So Climate 2020 is basically our vehicle to um, disseminate latest climate change research around the world in an open access and climate-friendly manner. So basically what we um, managed to achieve there is that we reached out to now more than 3,000 participants, wow. um, okay. online delegates who mm -hmm. visited regularly our page um, between the 23rd and 30th of March of this year. So that was our hot week, basically, with very little sleep, <laughs> but a lot of, lot of fun as well and much, much interaction. And um, that was just a fabulous, fabulous time. And I'm very happy that Melanie also joined, contributed a paper as well, and uh, took part in many of the uh, many of the activities that we offered there. Basically, the the perfect segue. I don't even have to to say that much now. Thanks. Um, 
Uh, Melanie, would you like to introduce yourself as well? Um, you've been in a very different role, in, as, as Francisco already said, in, involved in, in the Climate 2020 conference. But maybe tell us a bit about yourself. Um, what is it that you're working on? Where are you working? Um, and, and also, what was your overall impression of the, the Climate 2020 conference? Yeah, sure. Well, um, thanks for having me um, in your podcast, by the way. Um, I think it's a great opportunity um, to have a chat uh, about the about the conference. So as you said, I actually took part as a participant. So I'm uh, sitting at the other end of the spectrum and um, I'm a PhD scholar at the Australian National University, like you said um, before, and um, I'm looking at financing loss and damage from climate change in small island states. So um, what what kinds of losses and damages occur from impacts that climate change currently has in the world. And I'm looking in particular at, at islands, small island states. Mm -hmm. um, so there are different types of loss and damage. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how we can find a way to fund losses and damages. And there are different types like um, slow onset events. You might have heard of sea level rise, for example, um, then there is the, the opposite, so to speak, the sudden onset events, which are natural disasters or hurricanes. Um, and then there are other things like um, economic and non-economic losses. So um, anything that has to do with monetary values, how can we re replace infrastructure and houses and roofs um, and st things like that. Uh, and then you have um, losses that occur on a personal um, level. So um, anything that you have... Um, personal value of um, anything that um, is just related to yourself. And then um, we also look at displacement um, or human mobility of people uh, in small island developing states. So, yeah, so that's basically sort of my big PhD project. Um, and I've been doing a lot of research over the last two years and um, have another long year to go. I've been doing some field work in, in island states. I've visited um, Fiji. I went to Dominica last year and um, was really was able to talk to um, residents there who were affected by um, the, the really um, devastating um, hurricane season in 2017 where um, really three hurricanes swept through the Caribbean um, and devastated a lot of islands there. So I was able to talk to people affected by that um, and I went to um, the conference of the parties uh, last year um, in Spain. And before that, I went to Katowice in Poland. I was able to talk to a lot of policymakers in that um, in in those two uh, events as well, and what they think about loss and damage. And all of those impressions are going into into my my project and trying to figure out what different people. Um, think about how we need to address losses and damages from climate change. Okay, interesting. Mm. Um, that is probably also what your paper um, was about. Um, you, you have been too humble to mention it yet, but you were also <laughs> awarded um, the best one. You are one of the awardees for the best paper award, right? Yeah, I think I am. <laughs> Yes, I, uh, someone told me. I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize at first, but then, yeah, I saw it and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's quite nice." <laughs> I 
And your paper was about basically this overall realm that you just talked about, sea level rise and, and different kinds of losses of, of climate change? or Yeah, so so the paper that I, um, I presented at the Climate um, 2020 conference was sort of a follow-up paper uh, on something that I presented last year in Fiji. And um, it's it basically zoomed into one of the issues um, of loss and damage, and it looked at um, planned relocation. So mm -hmm. um, when we have to move communities away from where they live to another place, basically uh, because of um, because of the impacts of climate change and sea level rise. So um, I looked at that, and then what types of um, personal losses are associated with that for people. So um, is there attachment to place? Um, you, you lose your home. You don't just lose a house. You, you, you lose a home. And how do you address that? And um, how, how can you ensure that this, this response to climate change impacts, which is um, often now described as adaptation, um, is as less disruptive as little disruptive as possible so that you don't enter the realm of loss and damage. So keep that, these um, non-economic losses to people to a minimum. Are there any um, like three golden rules that you would say one, one has to follow when doing that? Or is that too contextual, too, um, too specific with regards to the, um, to the specific, for example, um, movement or migration or the specific um, island country that, that you're working with? I don't know whether there are three golden rules, but you've just mentioned one of them, which is um, context. So I think one of the most important things is when we look at planned relocation is to look at the context that the people live in and really, um, really talk to people on the ground what their needs are and what they believe um, they going to lose when they have to move and what you can provide in the different, in the new location in order to mm -hmm. make them um Feel better. So one of I think one of the golden rules is to look at the context and really engage the people that are affected, um, rather than having a one size fits all. Um, yeah. So I think that's a that's a really important point. Mm -hmm. Just out of curiosity, how does um, how does a PhD scholar from from Australia who's, who's based in Australia find out about an online climate conference that happens? worldwide at some time in march and decides <laughs> yeah. to uh, submit a paper and, and all that so how does that happen did you find i don't know some some weird twitter hashtag and you kind of went 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 on from there or how did you know about the the climate conference and what made you participate yeah so it was um last year it was actually when i presented the first paper it was also organized by the university of Hamburg, um, that was in Lautoka and Fiji, where I presented the, um, um, my spectrum on, um, of pl planned relocation and, um, uh, loss and damage. And so, and that's basically where it all started. So I was invited to the conference and I thought, oh, that's a great opportunity, um, to have something that follows up on that paper because the research is never finished. Um, and you sort of, I was sort of able to, um, yeah, just, have a little bit of a continuation of the paper that I presented there um, and explain a little bit further what I think we need to do next. And that's what I did with the paper here for the Climate 2020 conference. So, um, yeah, that's that's mm -hmm. how it happened. So okay, it, cool. it's, it's a trip to Fiji, basically, that did it. 
<laughs> yeah, we're, we're very happy that you that you took this opportunity, basically. And at our center, we do, in fact, um, organize uh, worldwide um, events on climate change management uh, regularly, almost every month, basically. Uh, we are hosting um, a large um, event. Um, nowadays, it's, of course, transferred uh, to the online um, uh, to the online uh, arena in that sense uh, in times of corona but um we still continue and um um, the head of our center, Professor Walter Leal, he's um, he's the mastermind behind this uh, this international climate change series. Actually, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm and, and you could, sorry. Mm -hmm. no. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Uh, um, the paper that was presented in Fiji and many others are also in the book that has just been um, published or went into into print just um, I think a week ago or so. Oh, so cool. um, we'll link to that's that. accessible. So mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's where it all fits together, basically. And mm -hmm. um, um, I'm uh, very happy also that we managed to to include in the Climate 2020 conference a set of uh, a set of webinars, real live mm -hmm. webinars, basically. And one ex was exactly on the topic um, that Melanie is um, doing research on. Um, we even had a representative of the government of Fiji with us, um, who was talking about plant relocation and their strategies and what they have been doing. Um, what they are planning to do, uh, and Fiji is is kind of uh, uh, kind of acting as a role model for the entire Pacific region. If I um, took the, the the key learnings um, from that webinar, and uh, yeah, I, I if I remember correctly, Melanie was also uh, taking part in that webinar and asking did, some questions yes. to our yes, guests there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really enjoyed that one, um, that webinar in particular. So I really I, I enjoyed. Um, actually the first five, which are totally relevant to my research and um, helped me a lot to get a, a few more new um, new ideas on how to, to look at my, um, yeah, just on my data or the project in general. Um, but that's also one of the, the things I mentioned in the paper that I've submitted um, is that we need to look at these relocation guidelines. So I think the Fijian government outlined um, disaster um, relocation guidelines and um, just two years ago they have published their um, planned relocation guidelines they launched them at COP24 and I said that we need to have a look at how these guidelines address non-economic losses mm -hmm. because it's always it's often seen as something that is too hard to tackle because um, um, yeah how are you going to address that is it compensation how how can you address um, personal losses to people, um, it's definitely not um, a flat payment of a few thousand dollars and you're fine. Mm. So it's a very complex um, complex issue. Does that mean that what, whatever you can measure, whatever you can um, specify in, in amounts of, let's say, um, a currency of, of some sort, let's, let's say dollars or whatever, is easier to reimburse and to to finance be just because you can put a straight number on it, whereas losing your home where you've lived for 80, 90 years maybe, or where generations before you have lived. is that Did I get that right, that that's hard to quantify and as such people are not compensated for that? Because how do you do that? Is that like one, would that frame it right or would you disagree? Yeah, so um, non-economic losses are inherently... Um, they're non-monetary, so they, they are anecdotal. They're completely different from you and from me. Uh, you have a cup that when I destroy it, you, you lose the memory of, I don't, you know, your grandma, they gave it to you, for example. Um, so I can't give you $10 and say just go 
and get a new one because it just wouldn't do just wouldn't do it um so yeah so one of the characteristics of um, non-economic losses is that you can't trade them in markets. They don't have a monetary value. That they only have a personal and emotional value, a sentimental value. So um, it's not possible to put to put a, a, a dollar figure on it. Um, and there might be possibilities of having alternative um, sort of compensatory measures um, that might help people to overcome um, the these losses for example um upskilling might be a, um something that could help or um access to education um better access to health facilities um these are all things that we might have to discuss in the future because compensation as a flat payment is something really controversial um if you see it in in the um in the view of climate change um because you have that um sort of victim perpetrator relationship that you basically blame someone for doing something so mm -hmm. um yeah so it is um in, especially in in loss and damage compensation is a very controversially discussed um topic um let's maybe come back a bit to the the climate conference itself because i'm interested in in how this worked basically you're describing an, an online conference and francisca you mentioned that you've been doing this for for quite some time now um But I'm, I'm interested in what kind of formats work, given that lots of people in this current time are trying to move things online. And I see lots of, let's call it um, activism in, in terms of let's do something quickly. Let's do something to, to put this format that we planned, this event that we planned online. I'm interested, for example, in, in the formats that you as a participant, Melanie, um, found, found helpful, but also where you, Francisca, from like the bird's eye view of the, the organizing structure, basically were able to tell, okay, this seems to be working out quite nicely and this, for some reason, maybe isn't working out as planned, but completely differently. I don't know if there are some examples for that that either of you would be able to, to talk about. I'm not sure. Francisca, do you want to give it a start? Yeah, I mean, um, with this with this platform, um, as I said, one of our objectives was really to reach out and to make it as widely accessible as we can. So we designed it as an open access, um, rather low tech environment that you could easily access. Um, even even though easy access is sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> some can can also be difficult and tricky, but um, as as so many so many delegates managed, um, I think um, that was not not. Not a, not a big hurdle. Um, um, what we, in addition, tried was basically to 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 provide a, a good mix of uh, information in a way that could be kind of uh, accessed and read and consumed in a way rather easily. So we had kind of online ready papers, not the traditional typical long research papers that you find in, in in scientific journals but very short concise and compact summaries of existing research that you could easily kind of grab and grasp online um, we wanted to make it in a way interactive so that you could discuss with the authors um, that basically may also been um, located at the other end of the world like Melanie for example so I could I could write in a dialogue forum um, my question to her her paper and she might um, open up the, the page the next mm -hmm. day or evening and then respond while I was still asleep uh, in my time zone basically so that's um, where we where we use the, 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 the kind of the 
principle of, of, of uh, delayed um, response and interaction in one mm -hmm. way, but certainly we also added some some real life events that had a fixed date and a fixed uh, fixed time, basically, like the uh, before mentioned webinars, the expert webinars. Um, we, we spiced up the platform then um, with further um, content um, such as some learning resources, further online re learning resources that we found very useful and helpful to find in, in one spot, basically. Um, we also added um, a lot of information on funding and access to uh, additional finance, um, try to support the networking and collaboration um, aspects um, that the de delegates normally would share during kind of the coffee break at a regular conference mm -hmm. where people talk and exchange business cards, basically something like this. And um, then we also uh, try to in involve the audience um, kind of in, in, for example, voting for a best paper. So just um, getting, getting their votes. We also ask them that our, our delegates um, all, all the time during, during the event, basically for, for direct feedback, very earnest feedback. How do you like the conference? Do you get along? Do you find a way? Um, are, are you satisfied with what you see, with what you have um, been experiencing so far? So we could mm -hmm. basically try to um, even improve on the spot. Um, so we, we try to think in all kinds of directions to, to make the best fit for a very, very heterogeneous audience that we, that we had here on our platform. Okay, so I'm taking away, make content kind of online ready so make it make it short and concise so that people can browse through um, give people a chance to interact in, in forums and, and other ways to get in touch with one another and not just don't make this a one-way street of communications here's my paper and uh, thanks and goodbye exactly. um, but but also enable interaction but also enable forms of interaction that go to you as the organizer yourself, right? Because you have a chance to maybe adapt something, maybe adapt the format, adapt, uh, I don't know, the, the timetable or whatever it is. Yes. Um, but I'm also taking away, and that's something that I would want to highlight, at least from my experience as well, is um, to think of an interesting blend of synchronous and asynchronous formats given that you all are in a different time zone when you have 3,000 people from all over the world participating in one online conference, you want to enable both synchronous and also asynchronous ways of interacting with one another, which um, from, from, what I, from what I get from, from what you're yeah. describing seems to have worked out quite well. I don't know. Yeah, how yeah, yeah. Basically, we had we had uh, participants from 155 mm -hmm. countries of the world. So wow. just to to to, um, to illustrate the, the 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 wealth basically of of um, delegates and and also pointing towards uh, many many different time zones we mm -hmm. were in basically during that time. Yes, mm -hmm. certainly. So maybe adding on to that, I think it was a great way of also being able to engage um, scientists and researchers all over the world who usually do not get the chance to travel to conferences. So um, we're able with these um, with this type of communication, online conferences, um, to to engage people from from developing countries that we usually won't be able to reach, um, and making sure that that their research is um, also um, being looked at, and so they are able to share it um, um, with, yeah, basically with people all over the world. I think that's that's one of the um, 
great dis um, advantages as well. And also um, looking at the current situation we're in um, with, uh, with the coronavirus, this conference would have probably been one of the hundreds that would have been cancelled if it was in person, but we were still able to do it. And I thought that was, that was just great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, I, I find I, um, what Francisca mentioned was really is also was what resonates with me. So I can, from a participant point of view, is the f it, I had the same feeling. So I thought it was very well organized. I love that the webinars just started on time, they finished on time. I was able to have it in my schedule. Um, so and then I was able to browse through the website whenever I wanted. Um, I had a few conversations with people afterwards. Um, and through a colleague, um, we talked about the Green Climate Fund and um, there might even um, be some collaboration that's coming out of, nice. um, out of, uh, out of that conference. So um, I think um, it's, you know, it adds a lot of value um, having people being able to, um, to communicate through, through a conference like that. So uh, I hope to see something like that more in the future, to be honest. So what our listeners are not able to to see, but when Melanie gave kind of her overall impression and feedback to the conference, you could see a smile going up on, on Francisca's face um, because that, <laughs> that's, that's exactly the kind of feedback that she was she was hoping for. And uh, yeah. just for our listeners, we did not stage this, so there have no no scripts um, have been exchanged prior to this uh, to this recording. And, and um, I mean, there are always challenges to the to mm -hmm. online engagement as well. It's not that it's per, it's not perfect, and um, like I said, there are advantages. Like you can reach out to people that would otherwise never be able to attend your conference, um, but also an online conference doesn't um, replace face to face and um, human interaction. Um, but I think there are ways um, of how you can make um, online conferences more attractive. For example, I like the quiz and the voting. I just did it because. I just was, I thought it was a fun thing to do. Um, and, um, yeah, voting on the papers is just, yeah, it got me a little bit engaged and um, looking at, at the content on, on the website, basically, yeah. So nice. that was good. Yeah, thanks very much for this wonderful yeah, feedback. Okay. Actually, um, so <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing to add from our side. No, that was actually what we hoped for, and um, we are very aware that there are um, certain limitations of this way of communicating and and disseminating the information. Certainly, and there is all always room for improvement. Sure, um, and and we are working on that. So we take the feedback that we get from you the delegates very very um, serious and um, see how we can make it fit to our next um, online events we there mm. are already several of them in the pipeline for sure and uh, even though it's not climate 21 2021 um, there will certainly be um, a follow-up uh, online climate conference at a somewhat later point of time um, but uh, we'll, we'll get out with this uh, with this information um at at the given time for sure no but um you can certainly um be sure as a delegate whenever you take part in in, in our um in our online events that we listen to you and we are striving to improve it's a continuous improvement process basically with these um online uh, arrangements and uh, we are learning as well from um from from these um, exercises as i call them or projects actually well well projects yes mm -hmm. Nice. Um, so something to look forward to, uh, upcoming events, online events and upcoming opportunities to network and exchange ideas. Um, 
we will have links to everything that has been mentioned so far. So we, um, given that the the online conference is still, um, people can still check out the website, can still check out the papers that have been submitted and all that. So we will link to that. We'll also link to Melanie, your the the paper that you co-authored um, that that got the best paper award and all that. Um, the previous conversations that we had on this podcast always ended with. Um, one one final question, and given that this kind of tradition has a, has evolved over time, I wanted to keep it that way. And it's um, it's a question that kind of goes like this: So, if you had to name one pragmatic means of climate action that listeners can take right now to tackle climate change, what would that be? And I'm not sure who um, who of the two of you would want to start answering that question, but um, you. Both um, you both chuckled, and Francisca is pointing at Melanie. So I'm I'm handing over to Melanie. Um, pragmatic means of climate action. Go. Oh, great! Yeah, <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you, Francisca. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's an easy um, one. Welcome, it? yeah. <laughs> I mentioned the question that um, I get this question asked a lot, and um, because people think that if they do something small, it doesn't really make any big difference so if I do something what difference does that make in the world um but I tend to say just start in your household just make sure that you turn your tab off when um uh, when you don't need the water or um, just turn the lights off when you leave the house so these are just really really small things this, this is I think starts from from the very very from the smallest you can go basically and if you also want to look at um rubbish then you know do your recycling make sure that you do that as well so these are really um, small things that you can start with. So just look at what you are doing. Um, then you can go a bit further and you can look at um, local shopping, for example. Then you go and have a look where you buy your food and where it comes from, um, things like that. Or if where do your clothes come from? Think about meat consumption, for example. It's a really big one where you could just easily say, um, hey, let's have a meat-free day a week, which is really nothing um, if you consider how much meat you actually need to eat. So that's, that's I think, a really big one that we underestimate has a lot of greenhouse, greenhouse gas emissions attached to it. So um, that that's one thing that I um, tend to tell people. And then you can go a little bit further and look at um, what bank you're using. What are they investing their money in? Is it fossil fuels or is it renewable energy? Mm. So um, I think you just start small and just be a little bit more aware of um, what you're doing in your daily life and um, if you do just a little bit and then you add on to it then yeah it, it will make a difference and also uh, think about that all the solutions that we're currently trying to do may it be electric vehicles or um, recycling the right products into the right bins and um, they will never be perfect so there isn't we don't have a perfect solution but we need to keep on learning and we just try to um, go for the best solution that we currently have and then um that's the best you can do but at least yeah you are aware of it and then you just add on to that mm -hmm. keep getting so taking, taking away not to to be too overwhelmed by this whole huge complex problem but start small and and start yeah start that small and, that's right yeah mm -hmm. yeah make adjustments and just small things first and then um if you if you can move a bit further and yeah and it yeah just accept that it might not be perfect All right. So, perfect. but still doing something is still better than doing nothing. Great. Thanks. Francisco. Wow. Hard one to yeah. follow, isn't it? 
Oh, that's really hard to follow. That was an exhaustive You told me I should already. go first. <laughs> that was a perfect, actually. Yes. You. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I had the same kind of uh, thoughts. I mean, that's kind of reduce, reuse, uh, recycle. The the typical um the typical wording, basically. What what might be added from my end is basically also um alluding to to our online conference experience that we say we can actually reduce our CO two footprint um, by these new ways of collaboration and um, especially now in these times of corona where everyone is confined to the home offices and forced to uh, use the digital environments platforms to to collaborate to cooperate to to work with each each, each other um maybe that's 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 a path to pursue a bit more in future as well you can uh, kind of critically ask yourself do i need to hop on every plane to go to a meeting or might it be an option also to um to hold such a meeting um online at least may, maybe not every time but at least for um for 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 every other um opportunity possibly and then certainly something alluding to to your um very good examples melanie where you said if everyone does a little step at one time or so, basically using the power of the crowd um, to make to make a big impact uh, overall. Um, maybe that's one one thing that I would um, also underscore that everyone could 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 make. Yes, in a way. All right. If you, dear listeners, would like to listen to our podcast on a regular basis, please consider subscribing. It is free and always will be free. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but the easiest way to subscribe is to use the podcast app on your phone, search for Climate Chats, and click subscribe. There, you will have access to additional links and resources like the ones we just talked about. Of course, you can also listen to us by visiting the website of the Worldwide Online Climate Conference, Climate 2020. Um, if you like our podcast or if you disliked anything, we'd really appreciate your feedback. Simply email us at contact at dl4sd.org or find us on Twitter at FTZ underscore NK underscore Hamburg. Thank you, Melanie and Francisca, for taking the time. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. I hope to see you soon. Uh, maybe not on the Climate Chats podcast, but maybe at another conference, an online meeting somewhere. Thank you for listening. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.